so high right now. Anything's possible. Oh my mama! Oh my mama made it, ma! Anything's possible! Rain and Jay's back with the vengeance at All the real Celtics fans in attendance This the truth like 34 This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars The crowd goes crazy Most in-depth coverage on the daily Mainly podcast royalty The content kings When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings Focus like Danny at the deadline Global with it got a local feel like the red line The blue line, the green line Play it in between time I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime And press play When the F's done I can't wait until the next day Trying to stay in tune with the C's That's the best way Melly. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. Thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. I am John Corrales, host of this show. I cover the Boston Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. I'm the author of this book, The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars, that you can buy now on my website, johncorrales.com. 30 bucks makes a great Father's Day gift or a gift for anybody in your family, friends. Just buy a few. That's great. Uh, I just realized that now I definitely have to change the theme song because it says focus like Danny at the deadline. And that's not happening anymore. Uh, obviously continuing to talk today about the Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens news in what is a home and home podcast series with the Geno time podcast. So check out the Geno time podcast where I uh, joined Chris Grenham and Tom Westerholm to discuss uh, Danny Ainge's legacy uh, this this episode here is going to focus on Brad Stevens and his uh, which, all of the stuff that's going to face him. Today's show is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. So let's bring in the co-hosts of the Geno Time podcast, Tom Westerholm, my good friend from formerly co-worker at Mass Live, and Chris Grenham. About which I'm fairly ambivalent. Crowell <laughs> 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 is looking. Crowell is like he's going to be suggesting to Dan, to, to, to Danny, to Brad Stevens that he finds a trade for Chris Gretham as soon as possible. Get this guy out of here. Get him out. Good value. Good value. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good young kid. Hopefully he reaches his potential somewhere. <laughs> uh, you can find Chris Gretham's work at Forbes, um, and obviously. One of the co-hosts over at Geno Time. Uh, gentlemen, we just had a, a fantastic conversation about Danny Ainge. That entire thing is going to be on the Geno Time feed again. Let's get into Brad Stevens here. Uh, and and Brad is, as, as we were saying at the in, in the other portion of the show, it was the most shocking element of this whole thing. That Danny Ainge's retirement, okay, I get it. He's been doing this for a long time. Maybe he's burned out by the whole thing. He did say in his introductory or in his goodbye uh, press conference that, you know, the the rules, the <laughs> requirements, all of the regulations, everything just started to beat him down. I, I think when you look at how complicated the NBA has gone, okay, I get that. Now Brad Stevens is stepping into basically clean up uh, a lot of what has gone wrong. Like when we evaluate the Danny Ainge Legacy. It's the most recent stuff where he's struggled the most. And now Brad Stevens has to step in as a rookie uh, GM or president of basketball operations. So I want to ask you guys this. The question that I asked him in the news conference and the, the thing that I've been writing and talking about, I'm most concerned about his ability 
to handle the guys that he's had this relationship with, his own guys, the Marcus Smarts, the Kimball Walkers in the world, the guys that have fought for him. As a GM, you have to work at arm's length and and be kind of cold and calculating. You know, look at Danny Ainge. He traded Isaiah Thomas. Like that, all of that stuff that he gets criticized for. That's kind of the necessary part of the job. Do you guys think that Brad Stevens has that in him? We'll start with Tom. Yeah, I, I you know, we, we talked about actually on around Gino time. We talked about your question uh, on the podcast last night. I, I think that this is going to be a really interesting test. I actually do think that Brad is gonna is gonna be able to do that. One of the things I point to, he is such a competitor, right? Like when when you watch him coach, yes, he's like, you know, quote unquote mild-mannered Brad and, and all of that. But at the same time, he's kind of ruthless. Like whenever there's a mismatch that he wants to abuse, he will abuse it over and over and over again. Like whenever there is an opportunity to like rip the other team's throat out, he will do it and then he will shake the coach's hand very, you know, politely and then kind of go about his business. Like he wants to beat you and then he wants to say nice things about you in the press conference <laughs> afterwards. Like, and I, I think that like, that's going to translate to being the GM. I, I think that he's going to want to win. And I think that kind of coaching and having a really good sense of these guys, I think will give him like, yes, it, it obviously it gives him some familiarity with guys and maybe it'll be harder to trade. But I also think it gives him a really good feel for like, here's the player that I think like works in this system. Here's a player that I think is, you know, is going to have to go, um, you know, here's who I think compliments this guy. Here are the players that I think complement Tatum the best, assuming that, you know, Tatum is kind of like the building block here or Tatum and Brown the best, assuming those two guys are the building block. Like, I think he has a good sense of all of that. I think that he's such a competitor. And then I think the other thing you mentioned that a GM has to be at arm's length. He is by default going to be more at arm's length now. You know, he, he is going to um, he's not going to see these guys as much. He's not going to be around them as much. I think he will give him, I think just by virtue of his job, he will gain a little bit of distance and then, you know, be able to do his, his GM job better, which I think will also complement the fact that again, he is a very, very competitive dude who wants to win and who, um, you know, certainly understands the difficulties and the importance and the pressures of being in a high profile role with the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I think Brad's going to surprise some people. I did see a lot of people voicing their concern, a lot of fans on Twitter voicing their concern about that. You know, he's been around a lot of these guys for a long time. Is he going to be able to pull the trigger on moving some of these guys around? I don't think he's going to have a problem with that. And this is purely speculative. None of us know how Brad Stevens is going to be as a GM. We've never seen him in a role like this before. He's been a coach his whole life. So this is all purely speculative, but I just, I think he's going to surprise some people because he knows what works and he knows what doesn't. And he kind of hinted at that a little bit in the press conference on Wednesday, but I think he has a really good idea of where they need to change some things, where they need to, you know, stay on the same track. And like Tom said, he's a pretty ruthless competitor. Yeah. He's stoic on the sidelines for the most part, but we don't get to see all of Brad Stevens, especially in the last year, everyone's been remote and there hasn't been a lot of, you know, it's just in that kind of scenario, you especially don't get to see Brad Stevens truly, you know, candid with his team. So I think he's a ruthless competitor. I think he's going to surprise some people. And I think maybe he might relish the ability to kind of remove himself from seeing these guys every day and really be the, you know, moving around some chess pieces a little bit. I, I just think it's going to be it's going to be a difficult change for him, I think, at first, because he's been a coach for so long. 
but I do think he's going to surprise some people, and I don't think he's going to have too much trouble moving pieces around. Yeah, and just to add to that, I'm really excited to see who the first guy is that he trades because I feel like that's going to be the first indicator that we're just like, oh, he really didn't like that guy. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if he just pulls the trigger on Marcus Smart? Like after all the love and trust comments, like, but but th- this is what he's he's going to have to do. Like he knows a, a guy's value, and this is where you just you don't know what he's going to, what comes through here. Is it that personal relationship or is it the, the very intimate knowledge of like, I've coached this guy for five years and he hasn't gotten better at this. So I don't think he's going to get better at this. So I got to move him and get somebody who can, that is certainly an element here for, for Brad Stevens. And I, I, I do want to hit on the point, Chris, that you brought up because we are all reacting. We're flying blind in a lot of ways because we, especially this year, I, I, I covered the Celtics the same way I'm doing my podcast here, talking into this microphone, looking into this camera. Like that, that's not a way that you cover a team. That's not how you, you learn anything about these guys. So we never got a chance to go on the road and go to a shoot around and watch those guys walk in and see the looks on their faces. You know, th- at that point we'd be like, wow, man, this this is really wearing on these guys. Like we never, ever got to see that. And, and those little things are what can tip you off. Like if we had seen Brad Stevens kind of walking in or looking tired or just the way he talks to people in shoot arounds and stuff like that, that stuff could have given us a little hint of like, I don't know how he's holding up here. So I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what, uh, what he does, what his first order of business is. I know that's going to have to be uh, the coaches. Why don't we hold off here? Let's talk about the coaching search in a minute. But first, we got to talk about the Michelob Ultra moment. Uh, I'm going to put you guys on the spot a little bit as I do a little sponsor read. It's Michelob Ultra. Uh, it's a new thing. The moment, our ultra moment from the playoffs. So as I do this, think about what your favorite moment is. The ultra moment from this bat, the Celtics playoff run. Uh, now. We know that Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories gives you joy and happiness when you're drinking one. And so as I raise my Michelob Ultra, which I'm not going to do because it's in the middle of the afternoon. I'm going to save that for later. But uh, I think back on, on my ultra moment from the playoffs. And for me, I'm going a little outside the box. And it's just walking into that arena, the TD Garden, with all of the fans there. And just how much they were into the game, I think they came into that knowing that they were uh, that this was going to be like the end. This was more of a goodbye than a hey, let's try to get this win in Game Four. So, so my ultra moment of the playoffs for the Celtics was just being able to get that one game in front of their home crowd. Chris, do you have a moment that stands out to you? Yeah, I'm going to go off of that game as well. Games three and four were some of the only bright spots from this short-lived Celtics playoff run. Weren't many, but in that game four, which they ultimately lost first quarter, they played the Nets very tight. And from the jump, TD Garden was just ready to explode. Jason Tatum hit a three. Tom talked about this on our Geno Time episode following this game. Jason Tatum hit a three in the first quarter, and TD Garden erupted and he turned to the crowd smiled and looked up at the crowd it was just kind of laughing the place was going the place was going ballistic and there's a lot of times where players even Tatum like they're locked in they don't really interact he just smiled looked up at the crowd as the place was going nuts it felt normal 
and we've been looking for any sense of normalcy. So that was definitely my moment from the playoff run. Well, I think the funny thing about that moment was that it didn't even it didn't feel normal because, like you said, Tatum doesn't usually react to the crowd that way. It's true. It was, it was kind of special because, like, he did like like he let you know. I mean, he just kind of let the moment hit him, and I mean, we've all we've all had a tough year, man. Like it was it was <laughs> cool to see. Uh, you know, and I mean, Tatum's had a tough year. Tatum's had COVID. You know, every, everybody's you know everybody's lost people this year. Like it was it was cool to see him like just enjoy a moment. Um, so I mean, I guess I won't I, I won't take that one, uh, even though that would be my pick. Uh, Corrales throwing it to Grenham first, uh, but I, I uh, my my moment. It's not so much in the playoffs. It was more in the playing game. Just watching Tatum um, go off and, yeah. and like leave Celtics over the Wizards. I mean, you know, not one moment, but just like a series of of just absolute buckets that he put on uh, Chris Granham's favorite basketball team. But it was cool to watch. And I think yeah. it, it hit on kind of the larger moment from the season, which like if there is a positive, a number one with a bullet positive um, from this, from this season for the Celtics, it was watching Jason Tatum go from, you know, potential like perennial all-star to per- potential MVP candidate, potential, you know, perennial all NBA, you know, first second team candidate he's he's that good um and that game was was a great example of him just saying look Jalen Brown's out uh you know I'm not I don't want to risk having to play in a second playing game so let's just uh you know put the foot down now I'm, I'm putting up 50 and I'm, I'm putting the Celtics on my back to lead him so I thought that was a that was a cool moment and it was kind of um an, an example of of what I think Celtics fans can really take away as a positive from this year absolutely I, I do I do love that moment of Jason Tatum smiling. Um, we talk about it's only worth it if you enjoy it. This is very much worth that game for Jason Tatum like, to, to let the crowd, like for the first time all season, he had that crowd noise uh, just wash over him, which was great. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It is the whole game. That moment captured it. And this has been the Michelob Ultra moment of the playoffs for the Boston Celtics. We're coming back to talk about the coaching search for the Boston Celtics. Have you subscribed to the Locked On Celtics podcast yet? You can wherever podcasts exist, and you can follow us on Spotify. We're obviously still watching the road to the finals, the NBA playoffs, which we're going to be talking about here in the Locked On NBA podcast. That is also brought to you by Michelob Ultra, which is, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. We can enjoy all of the games a little bit more this season. The playoffs are Awesome. It's going to be wide open, and I can't wait to watch who makes it all the way down the road to the finals to the championship. Let's continue our conversation now with Tom Westerholm and Chris Grenham of the Geno Time podcast, getting into the coaching search. Before we get into the, some, some of the specific names, which we'll save for the next segment, let's start here with the general concept, because this is Brad Stevens' first big decision now. He has to pick a successor. Before we get into players and trades and all that other stuff, which we, we talked about in the first segment, the first move right away is the, the coach. So do you feel, uh, let's, let's start with, with you, Tom, since you need to go first, obviously. Uh, let's, Thank you. I deal, with, I deal with this every day. Oh, my God. It's, it's, it's insufferable, right? Uh, so let's talk big picture here. What, what, what's your take on who the next Celtics coach should be like, what, what kind of archetype of, of coach are we looking at? 
Well, I think, I mean, I think number one, it's got to be somebody who really, I think, relates to the players. Like, I think, um, you know, Brad, clearly, I think he had a really good relationship with a lot of the guys on the team. Um, you know, the, the guys on the team really respected him. You know, Jason Tatum talked about it this season about how, like, you know, this isn't Brad's fault. This is on everybody. And Brad is more than doing his part. Guys, basically, universally, when you ask them about Brad, they would say something similar. He definitely got through to his guys. I, I'm, I would be really curious to see, you know, somebody who just, you know, like, like not maybe not only a, a smart X's and O's guys, maybe not only a smart um, basketball mind, but also somebody, maybe somebody who played, you know, at some level, just, you know, maybe beyond the uh, beyond what Brad did. Um, I, I think that's important. And just, you know, again, somebody who can relate to them, somebody who like it's game 47 of a long season, somebody who looks worn down, can just sit down next to him and like, you know, maybe this coach can sit down and like bring him into the office and be like, look, I was in your position. I know exactly what you're going through. Um, you know, here's X, Y, and Z that I did to try to get through that. So I think, I think there would be some value there in, uh, in maybe like a former player. Yeah, I definitely think there's value in a former player who, you know, can come in and command the locker room right off the bat. I think there was murmurs throughout the season that, you know, has Brad lost the locker room? Brad did lose the locker room. I don't think he necessarily lost the locker room, but I do think at some point it might have clicked in his head. Like, I can't really relate to these guys like I either once did or thought I once did. So I think that is the benefit of bringing in one of the former players like a Sam Cassell or Chauncey Billups, where they can command a locker room and yeah, they can relate to every player on that roster roster. Like the second those guys would step into the locker room as their new coach, they would immediately demand that respect and get the respect right away from the players. So I think that's a huge benefit. If you go, you know, it, it really depends on what route they go, what kind of qualities you're looking at. But I think that is the benefit from the former player route. There's plenty of good free agent coaches. And I'm sure, like we talked about briefly, uh, our, the Geno time portion of this home and home there, there's plenty of coaches actively coaching that I think will probably have their names floated around too, just because it's going to be a sought after position. So, you know, that might change some views as to who that top candidate might be. Cause you're seeing a lot of John C. Billups, Sam Cassell talk right now, but I think there is a lot to be said about an outsider, like one of those guys who's also a former player and is going to get that buy-in right off the bat, because that's the most important thing you bring in a new coach and the players are skeptical and they don't buy in right away, you've got a problem right off the bat. Yeah. So I think that's that's a, that's a, that's an inherent benefit with those two guys. Yeah, you know, there, there are so many different ways that they can go. I mean, you, you look at assistant coaches in the NBA. So there there are player there there are people who are they fit both. They're former players who are assistant coaches and I think that's a lot of what we're looking at here. But there are also assistant coaches out there that have just done well that have built reputations as developmental guys. You know, you you've got um, Wes Unsell Jr. who, and, and I'll say, I'll say more of the names again for the next, uh, segment, but like, but guys like that, that, that have, uh, a reputation of development and, and that's a way that they can relate to players. Like you, these guys around the league know which assistant, assistant coaches are, are good and which aren't they, they talk to each other. They know this reputation isn't, isn't just something that exists outside in the media. So I do wonder which of these assistant coaches might be in the mix. Uh, there is value to all of these types of people. The, the former NBA coach, like are, are there former NBA coaches out there? Guys who have had experience working with these players just because 
you haven't played the game doesn't mean you can't relate to these guys. And it's also in how you build a staff. Does Brad Stevens want to bring somebody in as the former player to relate to these guys and build out a staff of, you know, j- look at the, the, what they're building in, in Brooklyn, former player, Steve Nash. And now you've got D'Antoni, you've got, you've got other guys on that, on that staff that handle specific elements of the offense, defense, the uh, development, all that stuff. So I, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure which, which the right way to go. I do believe that former players have to be included. Like at this point, if your staff doesn't have a former player, you're, you're missing out. And the Celtics only have Evan Turner. And, and frankly, I don't know if that's enough. Well, and, and not only, I, I would agree with you. I'm not sure that it's enough. And I also like, I don't even know, like this would be, this is another example of we weren't in the locker room. We can't know. I don't even know how involved Evan Turner was this year. Like he certainly, the guys certainly liked him um, because I mean, who doesn't like Evan Turner? Everybody right. loves Evan Turner. He's hilarious. Like he's a great guy. Um, and you know, Jason Tatum, uh, you know, after the season was like, man, you know, when, when Evan Turner tweeted, like, um, you know, I, the rumors are not true. I'm not going to be the Celtics next head coach. You know, Jason Tatum quote tweeted it, man, I was hoping it was going to be him or whatever he said. Like, but I think, you know, to that point, I think that also emphasizes how Evan Turner probably wasn't that involved that he was able to make a joke. Like, well, this <laughs> clearly I'm not going to be the next head coach. Um, but I, I agree with you, man. I, I think like, I think there's just so much value in having former players, having really smart former players who can, um, you know, again, who can relate, like, even if the head coach can't, you know, call a player into his office and sit him down and say, I've been here before. I think it would really help to have, um, you know, an, an Evan Turner, like on the bench who can, who can, you know, maybe not call him into his office, but who can just kind of, you know, sit down with the guy and shoot around and say, I, I went through this too. You know, here's what I did. So yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think there's a, I think there's a ton of value in that. And I think there's, um, a ton of value in having a lot of different types of voices who can help with various types of things as you build out, um, not just the head coach, but also the assistant staff. I mean, Brad mentioned that last portion yesterday in the press conference. He's like, players and people can be reinvigorated by those new perspectives and fresh perspectives. And I think that's going to be really important in, in bringing an outsider. And yeah, they'll go about their internal search. I just think it makes more sense to bring a new voice in, someone from outside the system and there is a plethora of former players who have a good track record as assistant coaches. Um, and I think there's a lot of benefit there. There's also good people like Lloyd Pierce who are, you know, have head coaching experience too. There's a variety, John, you said this, there's a variety of ways that they can go here. It'll be fascinating to see which one, because there's benefits to all of them, but the current assistant former player mold, I think makes a ton of sense for where, the Celtics currently are and what situation they're currently in. Yeah. All right. So let, let's get to what the people want. The people want names. Let's name names. We're going to do that when we come back after the break um, and, and get into some of these, these specifics who's out there and including to me, the most intriguing name, a former Celtics assistant currently in college. We'll talk about that. Next, first, rockauto.com is the place to go for anything that you need for your car or truck. You want to save money, you want to save time, go to rockauto.com. Don't go to one of those chain stores where you're going to go drive to whatever strip mall they're in, give them the information that, that whatever your car is, and then they go to whatever shelf and pull something off and say, here, take it. Um, you go to rockauto.com, you give that same information at your home, 
use your mobile device, use your laptop, whatever, and you save the time. And when you look at the prices, you know that you're going to save money because you have a very wide selection. No matter how complicated it is, no matter how simple it is, you need wipers, you can go to rockauto.com. You need something for your engine, I wouldn't know what the hell I would get for an engine. I am not that guy, but I can still go to rockauto.com no matter what it is. No different price tiers for pros or do-it-yourselfers. No different prices for what the market will bear. They are a family business who's been doing this for 20 years, so they know how to treat you right. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box when they when you buy something. That's how they know we sent you. If you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box, do that right now. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. I just got a new shipment of these things. Uh, they sent me these uh, grasshopper cookie ones, which are really good. It tastes like a thin mint. It's like a marshmallowy thin mint. Uh, that's not one of their regular flavors. They have these special flavors that go on every once in a while. So go to BuiltBar.com. You get the regular rotation of flavors like coconut and coconut almond and peanut butter brownie and all of those great ones, salted caramel, which is a great one. And you'll see the nutritional value on there that is good. Like this one that they just sent me, 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, and 5 grams of sugar. So you can you can have one of these after a workout. You can feel good about having one. And you know that you'll get all the protein that you want, not a ton of calories, not a ton of sugar. It's perfect. If you are on a keto diet, it works. It's, it, it works for the keto diets. If you have a nut allergy, they've got plenty of flavors for you. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order or your next order, I should say. LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Be sure to follow our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. All right, Brad Stevens is going to hire a coach at some point in the next few weeks. I mean, they, they don't have a whole lot of time. They have, they have time, but they don't have a whole lot of time. So let's bring Tom and Chris from the Geno Time podcast back on to start naming names. Um, do you guys, I'm going to start with Chris this time for once, please ah. Tom, relax. Um, do you, I'm going to take every name. Tom's going to have none left. By yeah, the take, yeah, just, just go through the whole thing. Just name everybody. <laughs> have you thought about any particular short list? You, you guys have both mentioned former players. So I assume you're going to go the former player route. Wh- which of these guys is most intriguing to you? So my top two, I put up my top 10 on Forbes this morning and Sam Cassell is, would be my first choice, at least my first target. If I were the Celtics, same mold we were just talking about before, right? Former player, brief, brief Boston ties. He finished his career in Boston, very short time, and then jumped into coaching. He's been an assistant for a while. He was in, uh, he was in Washington for a bit. And then he's followed doc rivers um, from LA to Philadelphia. So I think he is a guy who, could command a locker room, relate to the players really well. And I think he is someone who's been in the discussion for head coaching vacancies for what feels like too long. You know, I feel like he's been due for a head coaching job for a year or two now. So it's only a matter of time. It's more so when, not if. So I think Sam Cassell makes a lot of sense. Away from the player side, I know this isn't a very popular pick, but I really do like the possibility of Lloyd Pierce. Brad Stevens is a really big fan of his. He mm-hmm. 
spoke glowingly of him at seemingly every turn. You know, the quote that kept circling yesterday was from the Celtics matchup against the Hawks shortly after Pierce was actually, it wasn't against the Hawks. It was against the, I don't even know, but it was shortly after, um, shortly after Pierce was fired in Atlanta and he spoke really, really highly of him. Pierce also has experience coaching the Celtics core, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart at the FIBA World Cup. I know he's got a really good relationship with Jalen Brown. And I just know he's really highly regarded among the coaching network in the NBA. So, yes, he didn't have a great track record in Atlanta. I think he was in kind of a tough spot. I don't think everything really broke his way there. There was a variety of factors in play. But I think Lloyd Pierce is someone who is going to have a really good shot at this job as well. Uh, Corrales, I th- we talked on, on our last, uh, on the other side of the home and home, or I mentioned that, that you and I, like, I've talked a lot of basketball. I've talked a lot of Celtics. We often, uh, our, our opinions often overlap. So I, I, given your, given your lead in, I think you and I both have the number one option, uh, the same one, Carol Lawson, go, I, I give it a shot. I think Carol Lawson would be a great option here. She has a relationship with several, you know, members of the Celtics. She coached Marcus Smart um, when he, when she was in Boston. Marcus loved her. Talks like you know often about how much he, he liked her and, and everything that she did. Um, you know, so she has, you know, she, she knows these guys. She's been around these guys. She is a former player, um, and I just think like you know, I, I, I think that there's a lot of value in that. And I think again, like having that prior relationship with these guys, not just you know, I, I Grenham, I, you and I have talked too. Like I, I think Lloyd Pierce is probably a little bit underrated among Celtics fans yeah. as an option, again, because of that, um, you know, prior, those prior ties to the Celtics players. But I mean, it just, it does, it's not the same as being around them for an entire year. Um, you know, Brad has obviously like said, um, you know, glowing things about Kara in the past. Uh, he, he joked uh, last year that the Celtics could barely keep her because, it, you know, other teams were just coming after her so fast. Like I, I think that she is a future NBA coach and I think the Celtics would do well to be the first team to give her a shot. I think there could be a, I think there could be a really, um, really good pairing there. You think about all of the things that you go, go into the, the player coach, the player, the former player who comes into the to coach. We all love the former point guards, right? There, there's a number, there are a number of guys who are out there that weren't, but it's the former point guards that, that tend to get these jobs that the, the, the cliche, you know, they're the ones, right? So, She's a former point guard. She's not just a former point guard, a very successful one, but also not like Jason Kidd, who just was so elite that you you, you get by on uh, talent alone. So she's had to work really, really hard for what, what she's gotten. She's She, she commands respect. I heard uh, Brian Scalabrini talking about her on the Celtics, the Celtics talk podcast, uh, they, they had some of their TV coverage there. And he said, like, you, you go, you talk to her, you talk basketball with her for five minutes. And you're like, Whoa, okay. This person's different. Um, you know that she commands the room, you know, that the players respected her. Look at what happened when she left. I mean, the, the guys were falling over themselves to congratulate her. I mean, everybody wore those Duke shirts they really, really said goodbye. You notice, and I don't know if, the, if Brad Stevens told them not to or what, but no, no player has said, "Hey, thanks, Coach. You know, good luck on Instagram or or anything." No one's posted anything about Brad Stevens. No one's posted anything about Danny Ainge either. But they they really went out of their way 
to congratulate Carol Lawson. And I think the guys love her. I think they respect her. I think they she quickly earned their respect with her basketball knowledge. I think she, at the very least, will be a, a strong, strong candidate if she wants to. The only question is, she just got to Duke. Does she want to leave Duke one year in? And like, that would be really crushing, I think, for a lot of the women that she she recruited to go over there. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, great, we get to play for Carol Lawson. Oh, man. They would understand, I think. But like, I, I'm, I'm curious to see if she's going to really go for the job. I think there would be a lot of value for her in like in this job. And I think her players would recognize that. And I also think her players would probably like see how cool it would be to have like the coach who they, you know, bought in on and the coach that they respect be a real trail trailblazer be like the first, you know, like woman to coach an NBA team. Like, like, yes, I'm sure if you, if you're, if you're at Duke, like you're disappointed and she's, you know, a really good coach and I'm sure you, you know, you probably wanted to play for her, but at the same time, like if, I don't know if I was, a, if I was a former player and like, I really had a good relationship with my, head coach at college like if they got a chance to do something really special and really historic like that I think I would be pretty pumped for them yeah I the part that worries me because I think it would be awesome if the Celtics brought in Kara Lawson I think it would make a ton of sense on a variety of levels but I could also see Kara having that loyalty aspect where she just brought in her first recruiting class and she only got to go through four games last season because they had to cancel the season because of COVID concerns and I could see part of her wanting to, you know, stick it out for a little bit there. Granted, very difficult to turn down an NBA head coaching position if it is offered to you. So who who knows how that would play out. But the fact that she has what seems like tremendous relationships with basically everyone on this roster, she knows the system, she knows the personnel up and down the organization. There are so many hurdles you have to jump when you bring in an external coaching candidate. She's essentially an internal candidate. You know what I mean? So that makes the process so much smoother. So I just think that makes a lot, a lot of sense. Again, who knows if she'd be willing to leave Duke and who knows how hard they'll press her on that. But Carol Lawson has to be in that top tier as well. Yeah. I, I mean, this, I think everybody involved, I would hope, I, I think it, I'm just thinking of myself as if I'm, if I'm the Duke athletic director, I'm just like, look, yeah, I know you just got here and, and, and all of that stuff. But like, I, I would approach her before she even said anything and be like, look, I know that if this job, if you want to go for this job, this is, it's not just history, but it's, it's one of the greatest coaching jobs in the entire world. Like one of these prestige NBA franchises getting to be the coach it's it's the Celtics it's the Knicks it's the Lakers um you know you go I mean those those three basically uh you know the Knicks the the big major been around since the beginning of the NBA like there's something special about coaching those particular teams and you know sorry not not to say anything about you know bad about the Memphis Grizzlies it's a great team and all that stuff but there's you're an NBA coach is an NBA coach, but coaching the Celtics and coaching one of these prestige NBA teams, there's something like, oh yeah, that, that, that can be, if you win a championship in Boston, can you imagine? Um, so I, I hope that she, I hope that she enters and enters the, uh, the sweepstakes, uh, short of, of her, I, I think I'm leaning towards the, the former player type, but, I, I'm I'm very curious to see not just the 
the head coach that gets hired, the assistants, the staff that gets hired. And, and really, we haven't talked about Jay Laranega, Jerome Allen, Scott Morrison, who I think are the three prime internal candidates. Brad Stevens talks about a fresh perspective. And we've talked about bringing in somebody with a new voice and, and this former player. Do you think it's possible that any of these guys that are already here to help ease the transition? Because look, every new coach has his own personal style and you can be, say, Jerome Allen and, and work for the Celtics, but know that, hey, if I was, if I was coaching, I would do this differently. I would, I would use this. I, I would, whatever. Do you guys think that any of these guys are serious candidates for this job and, and, or, or, or are they all just kind of like done here? Cause if, if they don't get hired, then I can't imagine that they all stick around. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, you have, you have a new coach come in. They often bring their own staff, right? That's right. just kind of the way it works with the way it seems they're approaching this in terms of a shakeup, an organizational shakeup, which has already clearly begun. It just wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me to go the internal candidate route. That being said, there are good candidates on this staff. Jay Laranega was a finalist for that Hornets job. He went in for a couple interviews down to Charlotte. They all ultimately went with Brego, but he's a legitimate candidate who's always in the conversation when there's a vacancy. Jerome Allen was a coach at Penn, so he has had coaching experience. Scott Morrison, I think, might be like slightly below those two guys in terms of the tiers of these internal candidates, but obviously he coached the main Red Claws. And he has that head coaching experience. So former, former yeah. G League coach of the year. Former G League coach of the year. I mean, yeah, it's, I, I don't. Nothing. I don't. I don't want to like knock the internal candidates. Is what I'm getting at because I right. think they are really good coaches and good yeah. candidates. I just think the way the Celtics and Brad Stevens are approaching this coaching search to continue the shakeup, it just leads me to believe that they're going to go with an external candidate. Yeah, I think that's right because when you think about, yes, like the Celtics are shaking things up because Danny Ainge is no longer the GM and Brad Stevens is no longer the coach, and that's wild. But like Brad entering the uh, president of basketball operations role, that is basically like it's it, it's a shift, but it's like it's like reshuffling the cards that were already in the deck. So, yeah. you know, I, I think if, if the Celtics want fresh perspective, fresh voice, fresh all that, yes, like Jay Laranega or, you know, Scott Morrison or Jerome Allen or any of these guys, like Grenham said, I think they're all, um, you know, really good coaches. And I think down the line, all three of them will, you know, will be or will continue to be um, head coaching candidates. But if the Celtics are looking to shake things up a little bit more, I think they have to, I think even though they are, even though they would be in a new role, I think they have to like, you know, put some new cards in, you know, like, like uh, kind of change some things up a little bit more because um, if, if all of this, you know, if, if all of the, the voices or most of the voices are still kind of the same, I wonder how different things actually would be, or if they would kind of, you know, just kind of like stay a little bit the same, maybe a little different, maybe a, you know, a fresh perspective here and there. If they want like kind of, you know, some, some, some real change, some real freshness, I think they have to, uh, I, I think they do have to look outside the organization. And I know that does kind of contradict what I was saying about Carol Lawson, but um, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> She's the external internal candidate, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Um, other names here. I, I agree with that stuff. I, 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 it's, it's a shame the, these coaching jobs are so, um, you know, they're so coveted and it's, it's hard. So, I mean, it, there's going to be, there's going to be 
changes here. And hey, look, Jay Laranega was on Doc Rivers' staff, and he he survived. He came and he's he stayed. Like these guys are, there's no guarantee that they're going to go. I mean, there there is, I think, it, and it depends on who they hire. If is it a former head coach? Is it is it Lloyd Pierce? So then, if it is Lloyd Pierce which does make sense on some, on some levels. I mean, think all of these names make sense on some levels. Uh, then I can see, Hey, I want to keep one or two guys that have been here. And so maybe one or two guys that are on the staff stick around and I want to bring in these former players. So maybe you, you call up some of these guys who are coaches on other teams and say, Hey, do you want to come over and be a, a, a have a bigger role as an assistant on my staff and, and whatever. Uh, or, if it is a former player, let's say uh, we haven't mentioned Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups is a name that's going to get thrown around a lot. Chauncey Billups makes sense because, again, he's a former point guard, but he's a guy that has not only seen a lot in the league, but I think his his championship in Detroit with like the the starless Detroit Pistons is a great kind of like uh, experience to have to to say, hey, I, I know how I know how to play together. I know how to get guys to play together. Uh, he could bring in, he could say, I want some consistency here. Um, and he, he, he can construct his staff, uh, in, in a unique way. So I don't know, I don't know which of these guys is going to stay or go, but, uh, I think when we look at the short list, sure you interview internally and maybe one of those guys, you know, knocks your socks off, but I, I don't see that as the way everything has been shaping up here. So I think, I think Billups, Cassell, um, Darvin Ham's name gets thrown around in coaching circles around. He he's, he's credited with working with Giannis, uh, in Milwaukee and having that experience working with Giannis. Well, you got Jason Tatum here. Like I've, I've worked with Giannis and helped him kind of, you know, in his development, I can work with you and help you in, with, with your development. That's a great one. Um, and then I think Brad Stevens, I, I just think he's going to be turned on by like the defensive coaches. So an email Odoka from, uh, you know, Brooklyn, like these defensive minded guys are going to appeal to Brad Stevens defensive mindedness. And I think if I'm going to skew any way, I'm going to skew towards those types of coaches that may also then turn around and hire offensive minds to be on their staff. David Vanterpool is another defensive minded guy who I think lines right up with that. Like you mentioned, Udoka did really, really good work in San Antonio before going to, right. to Philly for a year and then to Brooklyn, I think. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of guys who do line up with Brad Stevens' mindset. So he could find some form of continuity with an external candidate. You know, it's possible to go that route. If he does go the player, the former player, current assistant route, like a higher profile one like Cassell or Billups, does he want to take a shot on Billups, who's only been an assistant for a year? Does he go with Cassell, who maybe there's a little more stability there from a coaching standpoint? So, again, there's a lot of ways he could go here, but I do agree that maybe Brad will lean towards some of those defensive-minded candidates in terms of narrowing this search down. The one thing that I think would be kind of funny, I mean, if Brad wanted to emulate his, uh, you know, his predecessor, would be if, if he just got somebody that nobody's talking about, which will be difficult to do because I feel like every single possible coaching name has been named by someone on Twitter or somewhere <laughs> or like, you know, like writing a post somewhere or something like I like genuinely don't know how many more potential names there might be out there. So that will be interesting. Uh, but Danny did shock the world by hiring Brad. So maybe Brad can, uh, can keep the streak alive. 
Hey, if the Celtics help me out and they take Scott Brooks off my hands, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. <laughs> I'm kicking you off the show. <laughs> get out of here. All right. I, I was trying to tell you to get this guy out of here. Right? Trying, you know, <laughs> you've been saying it for a long time. Uh, but you know what? Let's 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 wrap it up here. We've none of us have mentioned any of the college coaches. None of us have said that they should dip into the college ranks again. Jawan Howard's gonna be the biggest name out there. Um, he hasn't been at Michigan very long, but he's been very successful at Michigan. Now, I I actually I feel bad every time I bring up his name because I don't want him to leave Michigan. I do not want to be the team that poaches him into the NBA because I like what he's doing at Michigan. And just from a story perspective, I would like to see him stay at Michigan for 20 years, be like the coach K of Michigan and just ride into the hall of fame as a hall of fame coach with multiple national championships at Michigan. I think what he's doing there has been great. I, I, I would love to see how he does as an NBA coach, but I would rather like, have him have a ton of success there. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel or if there's anybody in the college ranks that, that makes sense for Boston. I think the only other guy from the college ranks um, that I would look at pretty hard is Jerry Stackhouse. Um, I would take just a, take a, take a look at him. Um, but yeah, I mean, Juwan Howard is, I mean, he's, he's clearly the, um, the, the peak of, of the college guys, I think um, of, of the other guys. I mean, and then, you know, I, I do wonder, I think generally if you ask coaches, uh, who have done both? Like everybody wants to be in the NBA. Like the college college grind is such a grind. Like I'm sure you know. I, I'm sure Juwan Howard. Like he is. I mean, he's he's doing really really well at Michigan, and I'm, I'm sure you know. Um, you know, I, I, he seems to be connecting with players and and you know putting together a great system. And uh, you know, he seems like a very high level guy. And um, yeah, there is probably the potential for him to coach there for 20 years and ride into the sunset. But at the same time, if an NBA job comes along at some point, it does feel like. All right, you mean I don't have to recruit anymore, or like yeah. the recruiting I have to do is very minimal? Like that's just anybody I feel like would be enticed by that. Of course, I mean, yeah, was enticed by that. Yeah, yeah, and and Jerry Stackhouse certainly would be too. I mean, Stackhouse has some experience. He was with he was head coach of Raptors nine hundred five. He was an assistant with the Raptors, worked with the Grizzlies, and then he went to Vanderbilt. So he's got a versatile background. It's not like he just started coaching yesterday. And I think he might be a little far off from his pro coaching debut like head coaching debut but I think it's you know a matter of time until he gets a head coaching job Juwan Howard is a legitimate head coaching candidate whenever something opens up I mean he was a really successful assistant for a long time in Miami before he went to Michigan and kind of just hit the ground running like he he's been a really really successful college coach does he want to come back to the NBA I'm sure at some point but I don't know if that's now because they have a really good thing going in Michigan but if you're the Celtics and you do want to look at the college ranks, Juwan Howard has to be number one on that list. Yeah, a couple of other names that have been thrown around that I've seen. Uh, Chris Holtman, who what, oh, you, man. You joined. You, you want to go the Butler route. You know, he, wow. he became, uh, he went to Butler after Brad Stevens left as an assistant, took over there, um, and now is at Ohio State. And, um, and uh, Tony Bennett. Uh, Virginia won a national title and at Virginia is a name that that's come up. That I've seen thrown around um, is a number of different coach of the year awards and uh, is a defensive minded guy. So a couple of those college names that are out there. <laughs> Tony Bennett comes in, runs the Boston Celtics. They're averaging 
54 points a game in the blink of an eye. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I would, I, I, I like the Celtics have one of the most like electric young players in the NBA. Imagine Tony Bennett coming in and just ruining Jason. Crushing. Day. Crushing. Uh, the, the, the thing is when a lot of these coaches, college coaches get thrown around in coaching searches, which is inevitable. It happens no matter the position that comes up. A lot of them in my mind, like Jay Wright, always thrown into the mix. He's sure, a guy yeah. who is just made for college. Tony mm-hmm. Bennett made for college. I don't see him coming in and successfully motivating professional athletes. I just, I just don't, I see like a John Calipari type experience. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Yep. No, I agree. I a hundred percent agree that there are just, some guys are just college coaches. I don't want to say just college coaches. They're co- that That's just perfect for them and their personality. They're going to be great at it. Be, yep. be great at what you do. Uh, but that's not going to stop them from being thrown around and just, you know, for naming names, well, I might as well name names that are being named. So, uh, thanks for the conversation guys. This has been great. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see, man, this is, this has been an eventful week. What? Thank you Celtics for juicing the podcast numbers. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Um, we went from a season where I was like, well, nobody's going to be listening now to, Oh my God, I want to do three podcasts a day. Everybody's going to be listening to this stuff. Um, again, it really, did, it really did hammer home the, uh, the, the parallels between the, this season and the 2018-19 season where you got to the end of the year in 2018-19 and like nobody was reading anything. Nobody was listening to anything. Soon as the season over, just literally rocket ship to the moon. Oh my Everybody God. Wants every piece yep. of content. Read, listen, watch, anything. <laughs> so wild that even even when they had the championship season, just looking at numbers when you when I was writing and stuff, and like the championship brought high numbers, and then the off season just it increases the numbers so much. People cannot get enough off season NBA talk, especially after a bad season, because it's just like, how do we fix this? And now with all of this <laughs> stuff, oh my god! So uh, I guess I'm thankful for the Celtics keeping it interesting. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, again, we, we talked about Danny Ainge's legacy on the Geno time podcast. So we've been talking to each other for about an hour and a half, 40, you know, two hours. So I'm sick of you guys. I'm getting you out of here. Yeah. Right? Thanks. <laughs> right. Thanks guys. Uh, Tom Westerholm, Chris Grenham. Thank you. Check out the Geno time podcast. Again, that's where we talk Danny Ainge. Obviously subscribe to this podcast. If you're coming over from the Geno time feed, subscribe locked on Celtics is here. Everywhere you get podcasts and on YouTube, there's a YouTube show. So make sure you're subscribing to that and sharing the podcast. If you're a regular subscriber, tell your friends that they should be listening to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.